0: God, I first want to give you thanks that you bless us with uh, people like John who bless our lives and fill our lives with with riches, wealth of love and care and, and uh, anecdotes and, and knowledge. God, um, those of us who knew him uh, were touched and blessed in very deep and special ways. Fathers, he's gone home to be with you now. We pray for those left behind. God, especially for Donna this morning. Lord, is... Uh, as her, her age is, is rising and her, and her health isn't good, we just pray that you would strengthen her heart and be with her, God. I pray for Sherry, who's her primary caregiver, that you would just give them both extra strength, Lord. And Father, we know that sometime soon you'll be calling Donna home, Father. And we just say, until then, strengthen her, bless her, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. amen. We're in the book of Ephesians still, but we're getting, getting closer. Um, I'm really enjoying these, the, this, uh, this whole study. I pray that you are. We're going to be going into some really neat times uh, as we continue on this book. We're in chapter 4. We're going to finish up chapter 4 today. You know, the Bible w- was, was written in the, um, it, at different times. It was written in you know, 66 different books. 40 uh, different authors um, over the span of, of a couple thousand years, and each book ties to the other because of the, the scarlet thread, the, the thread of Jesus Christ in all of it, um, but when we take a book such as Ephesians, especially when, uh, in a letter, um, one of the epistles, it's important to, to not take them fully out of context. Um, be careful to, to always think, what was this book saying? What has been happening? We're going to go into a portion of scripture right now that, if you allow it to, will, will sound uh, like a whole bunch of rules, the do's and don'ts of the Bible, and I, I don't like the do's and the don'ts because it doesn't give the clear picture of, of God's heart. Much like a parent, when he parents his children, uh, he doesn't just say no for no good reason. There's always a reason behind it. But if you remember back to when you were a kid, you really didn't know the reason. You probably didn't think there was a reason. You just thought mom and dad were tyrants. They were, you know, they just didn't want you to have any fun. You didn't understand, as a young teenage girl, why they didn't want you to go out to the movies with your boyfriend in the car all by yourselves. And you just thought that they just didn't understand youth. Right? You remember those times? We've got to be careful not to approach God the same way and to say, God's just got a whole bunch of rules for us. But the Bible says that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And then God, through an amazing, uh, amazing way, left us the, the Bible, the 66 books that we, that we know as the Bible. Some people say the Bible stands for Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. He brought us the Word of God to help us in this life to bring life, to give us focus and direction. He did not want us to just look at, look at it as a rule book. In fact, uh, as, as you read the Old Testament and you see all the laws given in, in Exodus and Leviticus and, and all these things, if you were to try to live your life by them, it would absolutely cripple you. you. You couldn't do it. And then you see when Jesus Christ came, he said, I didn't come to abolish the laws, the rules. I came to fulfill them. See, He doesn't want us to just obey some rules. He wants us to have life. In the, in the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters is reminding us of who we are in Him. Remember, we, we, we already went through this, but we, we need to kind of uh, skim over it again before we continue on today because we, we found out that we were... In Him that we were adopted, that He called us, and He and He grafted us in. Another book says into the the vine. Um, it said that He who was rich in mercy, because of His great love was which He loved us, when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And it goes on talks about how by grace we're saved. So we have to keep in in our minds the thinking that this whole book of Ephesians is about who God is, how much he loves us, and who he created us to be. And we, as we've gone through, we've gone through a lot of therefores, remember? Therefore, live this way. Therefore, do this. Last week, we went through the, uh, the, this part, and it ties in. You can't, that's why I was, I'm saying this, you can't separate what we're going to talk about this week completely from the rest of the book, and definitely not separated, even though in most of your Uh, bibles you have a top uh, a separation between 24 and 25 right and many of you have a a topic in the new king james says do not grieve the spirit we can't treat 25 through the end of the chapter um, as a separate section we need to continue on with the thoughts put on before specifically i want to put have us thinking about um, verse 22 but you can't think of verse 22 without first going i am in christ He loved me. He died for me. The Spirit brings me strength and life. I live my life from a point of being alive in Him because He loved me so much. Verse 22, he says, so therefore you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to your deceitful lusts in verse 23 we talked about this last week we'll share a little bit more about it this morning he says you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you then put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. And we've got to start with that understanding that here we're alive in Christ. He's talking to us this morning. Paul is speaking to each and every one of us who have called on the name of Jesus to be saved. He says, Christ lives in you. The Holy Spirit is in you and empowering you. But yet we have this problem and that we sometimes find ourselves walking still in the flesh and struggling He says you need to put off the old self be renewed in your mind and your thinking and your understanding and then put on the new self well inside we're already alive in Christ so part of this understanding is that we have a choice to make and that's whether or not we're going to live as we used to or live the way Christ intended us to live. He actually created us <clears throat> in, in righteousness and holiness. I mean, that's, that's amazing news for us. He didn't create us to live in a horrible, messed up life and world. He wants us to live this way, but we have a choice to make Uh, each and every day but but part of this is is begin to more and more put off the old self more and more work that our mind is renewed and put on the new self that we don't seem to struggle the way we used to and part of the thing is that that needs to be developed is habits now outside of the life of Christ habits are just habits but but so keep in your mind we're talking about those who've been made alive by Christ We have some habits. Anyone got any habits? All right. Okay. Everyone should raise their hand. Everyone. And here's here's why. God actually created us as habitual beings. He actually created us to be able to develop a habit so that we could function well in life. How many of you can drive your car and talk to somebody in your car? You do that? How many of you can drive your car safely and turn on the radio and sing a song? Okay, most of us can do that. You know why? You develop the habit of driving, and you don't think when you get in the car. Hopefully, you've been driving long enough that that uh, when you get in the car, you don't panic and go, "What do I do now?" (laughs) Do you remember the first time you got behind the wheel of a car? It was like overwhelming. You sat in that car and you just went, "Oh my goodness!" And, and, and you know, the, no music, and you just like, "Okay." So, and the steering wheel always seemed really big. You, know, you get this big steering wheel, and you're just ha. Ah! and you got and you got to think about you know braking and 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 the gas and which foot do I use and the the gear. And if you learned on a stick shift like I did, I was 10 years old when my brother Gary used to take me out driving. He was drunk at the time. (laughs) We've come a long way in my family. Do you remember driving a stick shift? you got to put the clutch in. And, and some of you still like, I still don't drive a stick shift. I could drive a I love to drive stick shifts. That's what Zach's car, he's selling for a very good price if you're interested in a Honda Civic. Um, <laughs> he's selling his, his Honda Civic. It's a stick shift. And I, I, like, I haven't driven a stick in one. I just get it. I jump back in there after not driving one for years. And I race. <laughs> and it's fun. I don't think about it. You know why? I had a stick shift. And I have the habit of driving. This morning, when you, uh, you you took a shower, you probably did the same ritual you always do. Whatever it is for you, is it you grab the shampoo with the right hand, put open your left, and do that. Next time you do that, try reaching for the shampoo with your other hand. Just, ah, you don't know what to do, and then try to squirt that stuff in the wrong. You, you, you brush your teeth with your wrong hand. Go try that one. You know, poke your cheek, and you just. Right? You've developed habits our whole life that have allowed us to live. Here's the problem. Along with learning, getting the habit of brushing our teeth and driving and whatever it is, we've picked up some bad habits. We've picked up habits of thinking improperly. Maybe, and we're going to get into these scriptures, we've, we've picked up habits, maybe a physical habits of, of, of doing things that are bad for your body, eating bad food. I'm trying to break that habit. Uh, you picked up habits maybe of smoking or, 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 or drinking too much alcohol or doing drugs. Those are, those are some bad, bad habits. There are people who have simply habits of just yelling. It's actually a habit. They yell at people. They have to break the habit. See, God created us with the ability to become habitual. The problem is the enemy likes to use that part in us and get us connected in doing things that are bad for us habitually. It's bad for our spirit, it's bad for our physical body. So so we have to put off the old self and the old ways, and we have to renew our thinking. So part of thinking is we begin to look at things and we say, God, how is it that you want me to live? We go to His Word. We, we go in prayer. And we find out that He has a desire for us to live a certain way. Not so that we just obey the law and obey the rules, but because actually God is smarter than me. Who would have thunk? You know, God actually does know what's right for us and what's healthier for us. And we rebel against that. But we begin to change our, our thinking and our mind. We say, God, I need to renew my mind because I have all these thoughts that these things are good for me. I have all these thoughts that say I should be the boss of my own life, but I'm going to begin to change those and say you're my king and Lord and need to be the boss of me. Remember that as a little kid? You're not the boss of me. You know, you have your older sister or brother watch you, or were you the older sister or brother, and you're like, you're not the boss of me. This is a great place of God. You're the boss of me. I'm going to renew my thinking because my thinking is stinking, and I'm going to agree with you, and I'm going to put off my old... And put on new and part of that is process is in our habits. we have to put off our old habits and put on new habits and so as we as we move on today into, into verse twenty five through the end of the chapter, Paul begins to talk about a few things and, and actually, I was reading and then I go into five and there's some more things in five, and we 're just going to deal with however much we we, we get through. But um, a lot of this is, is understanding. So Paul is putting some things that are important that we need to get. And in and, and most of the, the four things here he's going to talk about, he gives us a negative behavior, tells us a positive behavior to replace it, and then gives us kind of a reason um, or a goal for that, for that change. It's not just stop doing this, stop doing this, stop doing this. Verse 25, chapter 4. Therefore, putting away... Lying. Let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one one another. First, I love the way it's written here. We should love everything in the Bible, but it says, putting away lying. He's recognizing that as believers, he's talking to Christians, that, that we have probably already been doing this to some degree. Putting away lying. Some of your Bibles say, putting away falsehood. You know the Bible speaks so much of of living truthful and being truthful with one another as Christians we're not supposed to lie we're not supposed to live falsely and and be false we're not supposed to exaggerate our accomplishments we're not supposed to lie to people and do anything that would cause harm through our lies Sometimes we justify our lies saying, well, if I told them the truth, I just heard them. And, and really what we're saying is, I don't want to tell the truth because I don't want to hear what they have to say about it. But, but the Lord wants us to live truthfully. You know, when, when you have a, a, a pattern of, of lying, whether it's exaggerating or bearing a false witness against somebody, you know, what, one of the things that can happen in there, gossip. False gossip. Gossip's always wrong, but false gossip is part of this living falsely, spreading lies. When you have a life and a habit of, of lying and stretching the truth and exaggerating and, and, and telling people negative and, and wrong things about others, uh, people begin to not trust you. And your, your relationships get broken. And you find yourself alone. And, and I know a lot of people who struggle with this uh, to d- different degrees. And the relationships, typically the relationships that somebody who has a habitual life, a habit of lying, who, that you just never know for sure whether or not this is a falsehood, a little white lie, a big white lie, a small exaggeration, they have a lot of shallow relationships. You can't have a deep relationship because people really don't know you and can't trust you. So as Christians, we're called to live truly. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. One of the reasons that we, uh, lies is, one of the big reasons is to make ourselves feel better or look better so that people like us. It backfires the moment they find out it's a lie. That, That didn't help me. And then, even if they never find out it's a lie, how do you like, do you want people to like you because of something that isn't true? Why well, all these people like me? And then, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't because the real me didn't do these things. By, Jesus wants us to walk truthfully. Bear truthful witness. And he said, here in, and Paul says in verse 25, he says, we're putting away Again, it's like that putting off. Instead, each one of you speak truth with his neighbor. So don't just stop lying. Don't just stop bearing false witness. Now bring the truth. Well, one of the, we want to speak the truth about ourselves. We want to speak the truth about our situations. Um, you know, some of you, you know, if, if, when God starts meddling with you, you're probably going to actually have to go and say, okay, here it is. I'm going to put myself out there. You know that story and that story and that story and that story and that story? They weren't true. And, and, and you you know, do that if God leads you in a safe place. But then that, that truth becomes, and then you begin to speak the truth. And healing can actually come from the Lord as we become truthful. And it says, speak the truth, your neighbor. And then it says, why? Because we're members of one another. We're part of the body of Christ. We need to have fellowship. We need to have real relationship with one another. How can we have a relationship if it's built on falsehood and lying? It's going to cause problems. How, how can we do that if the, the falsehood that you bear is falsehoods against other people? There, there was something, it's, I've, I've been seeing it and I've been tempted with it. And I, uh, if, if you've ever seen me on Facebook, I'm one of these Nazi guys, who, that's a bad term, who, who corrects people when their stories are incorrect. I, I'm sorry, you send me something? And if it's, if it's not true, you're gonna… Uh, Shannon keeps saying, don't do that. <laughs> She's smarter than me. I do it lovingly, but I, I say things like, just for your information, that article is false. Why? I think we're supposed to bear the truth. Even though that article makes my argument work really well. Right? We post this thing going, man, I'm going to use this and it's going to sh- make every- all my friends who are against me, you know, against this thing. I believe I'm, often it's political. And they're just going to go, wow. And well, who cares if it's false? It's still a really good anecdote. Uh-uh. You, you, you find out that's false? It's not true? In fact, we should be the ones who, before we even, you know, don't just go, I hope this is true. It's, Wait a second. Why am I doing this? I don't want, how would you like You to be the person who somebody somewhere else going. Hey, I'm going to tell a story about Larry. I've never seen Larry post something bad, so I'm going to pick on him. You know, you know, you know. I'm going to man. I'm going to post this story about Larry. I don't care if it's true or not. It just is a cool story and makes him look really bad. How do we do that? But but on social media, which is a whole, we we could spend months. We could we're going to have a social media convention and talk about all the ways it's messing up our world some great things, too. But we do and say things on social media we would never do in person. And so much of it is lies. If you're not on social media, good for you. But those who are, are you tracking? We need to be people of truth. Here's the thing. What if you happen to be one of the ones who post false story, false story, true story, false story, false story, okay? Well, and I'm getting, and you know, I'm like, oh my gosh, right, that's false, that's false, oh, that's false. You post, post something that's true, I'm going, probably false. I'm not going to listen, because you just, you know, you're the fake news. <laughs> Speak the truth. Don't bear false witness. Speak the truth in love, but we're going to be those, and he says, we're putting that thing off. We're members of one another. What if, what if your tongue began to lie to your stomach you get these things you, know, you taste something you Go, ooh, that's rotten and your tongue goes I'm gonna lie to the stomach how about some old rancid milk and and your tongue goes I'm gonna lie to the stomach and tell my stomach it's good you put it in your tongue and you go ooh, tongue just lied so I'm gonna swallow it your life is not gonna be the same for the next six to twelve hours that's silly, right? We're part of the body. We are truthful. We want to help build up. Let me move on. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go up, down on your wrath, nor you have place to the devil. Anger is not a sin. Anger is not a sin. It's what you do with it. Anger is an emotion. That's why it says in your anger don't sin but there's a lot of parts of anger that we got to be careful with something happens and we get angry our next thought our next action is going to help determine whether that is sin or if we're gonna let the anger even dwell inside of us so when you have an explosive anger and it goes outward that's wrath that's rage that's unfitting and wrong for a Christian. Now, many of us, or I should say, some of us, uh, will defend our anger and say, That's righteous anger. That guy cut me off, and he shouldn't have, and that's righteous anger because he did something he shouldn't have been. And then we'll go on and begin to call him names, call his mother names, call his dog names. In your anger, don't sin. We need to put away that anger and wrath. Some of you need to pray and begin to say, why am I so angry? Some of you, it, just by stopping, and I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but in a, in a group this size, there's bound to be a couple of people in here who have some anger problems. It just happens. So, and I don't know who they are because you guys are always on your best behavior with me. But my prayer is that you're going to begin to look at yourself and go, wow, why, why, where is this anger coming from? And help me to get some healing for it. And, and I think some people are actually going to walk out of here, and they're going to have something's going to happen. They're going to be driving down the street, someone's going to cut them off, and they're going to get angry. And they're going to laugh at themselves because, they're like, why did I just get angry over this? That's silly. You know why? You developed a habit of getting angry over things. It's actually a habitual response that's not even connected anymore. Things happen, and you get angry. And if you really thought about it, you didn't need to. And you're not out of control. Yeah, I just can't help it. I'm just so angry. Oh, this is happening. The phone rings. You go, hi. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We can have lunch. You know what that means? You're in control. If you can answer the phone in a fit of rage and go, hey, what's going on? You just prove to you and everyone around you. That you're actually in control of this and you are the Holy Spirit is gonna help you to get control and we're gonna put away anger and wrath and rage and the things that come from it malice when you say things um, um, that hurt other people's feelings we're gonna put that anger aside don't let the Sun go down on your wrath we're gonna, there's a, that's a, helping us to say you know if when anger comes up if you don't deal with it and it stays with you and, you've, and you have anger throughout the day I want to just say always but 99.9% of the time I think it's always it's going to turn to bitterness pretty shortly you have to deal with it you got to deal with it right then you know, whether it's like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to visit this issue and think about whether I have to do a response, but you're going to deal with the anger part, and you're going to push the anger down, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm I'm going to choose not to have a response in this moment, because if you sit on anger for a time, it starts festering in your heart, and you get bitter. Amen? We've been it. We've, most of us have done that. And we just, we just, we ruminate. We actually meditate on the offense that was done to us. And it just gets worse and worse. Don't sin. Don't let the sun go down your wrath, nor give place to the devil. The devil loves anger. So much destruction comes from anger. Broken marriages, hurt marriages, relationships with children, work. The devil loves our anger. Third one he's talking, addresses here. Let him who stole steal no longer. Let him who stole steal no longer. He's talking to Christians. And, and it goes on, it says, rather let him labor. And the word labor there means work really hard. Working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. So he says, listen, if, if you got this thing of stealing, stop stealing. And we go, yeah, most of us, you know, we don't, we don't think that we're thieves. Um, but you start thinking of all the things that you, you could be stealing. Do, it, are, are you truthful in your taxes? You know, are you truthful in your time card? Are you stealing? Um, th- what would happen often here is a lot of the people worked seasonally. And when the dry times came, they were tempted to steal food because they needed to, to just live. He says, no, we're, gonna, we're not going to steal. You're going to just work hard, and, and we're going to have wisdom. We don't want to be people who are bending the rules, stealing from others. We've got to be careful. The enemy wants to come in and do something for us, and he wants to say, yeah, but the person you're stealing from it has more money than they need, so it's okay. And, you know, th- that might be true. I mean, there's people out there, they, they just have more money than they, they, they need. But here's an interesting thing. God decided that they should have that money and not you. So if God wants you to have some money, He's going gonna to do it honestly. He's going to show you how to work hard. This is actually an interesting thing um, that, that says, that gives permission, and it was all the way in the Old Testament. When the, when in the Old Testament it says, thou shalt not steal that developed the pattern that it is okay to own things. You can own things. The Bible says so. Because we're not supposed to steal it from others. And the Bible speaks a lot of that. But I like, I want to focus on the other side. It says, let them labor. Christians are, are supposed to be people who work hard and work for what they have. Work for what they, they eat and they spend. We're not supposed to be those who who take and freeloaders there's a time times in life when light when things get hard and and maybe you lose a job and there's things called unemployment insurance and all that and I believe that's that's a blessing but I believe the Bible calls Christians to work if they're physically able I'm gonna throw that in there some people are physically not able I, th- I, th- I think Christians should be the ones who are leading the way and say you know what we're not gonna be on the dole we're not going to take. We're going to work. We're going to earn it as best as we can. As best as we can. And here's, and here's why. The world, even good thinking, would teach a kid, work hard so that you can have. Work hard so you can buy a car. I've taught my kids that. My kid's pretty responsible. Zach is one of the most responsible kids around. He he works hard. He He pays for his own things. He just bought another truck. I mean... He works hard. And I says, work hard. And he's got, he's got that good work ethic. And I'm, I'm convicted here, so I'm going to talk to Zach. And, and you can listen in. Hey Zach, work hard so that you can give things to other people. Because they need them more than you. <sighs> the Bible says: work so that you can help people who need. America on one side does a great job with that. We give so much away. We give more to other nations and the poor than any other nation on the earth. And yet, there's a lot of people who don't. As Christians, we work hard not to have, not that we can't have, that's not the goal. He wants us to change the goal and say, listen, work hard so that when you have something, and here's the point, when somebody needs it, you're not, I'm not saying you have to work and give everything away that actually would be foolishness. I've literally seen this happen. People who kinda of went, man, I just, I just gotta give everything away. And then a couple weeks later, somebody who has a real need went and said, hey, do you happen to have? And they go, I just gave it away. So there's wisdom in giving away. You need to listen to the Lord. But you work hard so that you have, so that when somebody needs a financial gift or a car or a couch or something, that you say, you know what? I have enough. I'm going to give it to you because I worked hard and that's... I'm waiting, looking for the opportunity to bless people instead of just blessing myself all the time. We don't steal. We work hard and give away. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I just want to do that. I want to have a life that I just give and it's really easy to get into this you know I I need more for me and more for me and more for me working with his hands what is good that he may have something to give him who has need and I love it because it, it actually talks about in the in the right time in the right way verse 29 let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers." Now, no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Boy, you know, and I, I studied, and I read, and I listened to sermons, and, and there was a lot of uh, opinions on this, and I heard some interesting ones, and people tried to, to use this just to say you can't say naughty words, you know, cuss words. And I don't think that that's necessarily what he's talking about here. The, the word corrupt means rotten, unbeneficial. Don't let rotten speech come out of your mouth. It was the same word talking about rotten fruit and good fruit in the Gospels. Can a, good, can a tree bear rotten fruit and good fruit? We want to have words that aren't rotten. Well, things that are rotten hurt people. That's what I believe he's talking about. Don't let your speech, the things that you say, be rotten. Don't let them be negative, condemning, condescending. Let your speech not be rotten. Now, I'm I'm not saying that we should all go around and cuss because that's not what this is talking about. Because often, cussing comes also and it hurts people. We should have speech that brings life. That doesn't doesn't bring people down. That doesn't bring our situation down. I hear a lot of Christians in this this new generation um, cussing is is kind of back on the table, and there and there's a whole bunch of millennial Christians. Sorry to pick on the millennials that are that are saying, you know, I think cussing's just okay, you know, and they're just it's just a word. It's it's got it's just you know it's got some consonants and some vowels, and and it's just a word. And I think. Maybe, but how does it make people feel when you say it? Well, they just need to get over it. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you have an an attitude or something that causes somebody else to sin, then you just don't do it. You know, we don't need to have that kind of filthy language around us. But I believe that the point is, is that because he connects it to don't let corrupt words proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. So if the if the positive is say things that are, build people up, then I think the negative is don't say things that don't. You know, we're gonna have love for people and, and build them up in faith and, and encourage them. When we have those negative thoughts, we're gonna say, you know, I'm I'm just not gonna say this. We we've heard this before, um, many of us. Um, it's, it's kind of a neat little saying. It says, before you speak, let your words pass through three gates. At the first gate, ask, ask yourself, is it true? At the second gate, ask, is it necessary? And at the third gate, ask, is it kind? Is what I'm about to say, true, is it necessary, and is it kind? I think, those, you know, it's a simple thing. You know, we teach our kids and do that. We want to, is, is this true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? It needs to go through all things. And then an evangelist, a uh, British evangelist, Alan Redpath, he put a, um, uh, I think maybe it's called rubric, using the word think. Because it says, think about it, right? Think about it, this. Oh, is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? So when you get to the kind part, here, you know, you he, he can use this. Think, 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 think. Think, should I say this? Is it true? Is it helpful, is it inspiring, is it necessary, is it kind? Think. T-H-I-N-K. Is it true, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind? Christians should be one who, who, when you're around them, you felt encouraged and built up, not put down. And it says, so that it may impart grace to the hearers. That word grace is like a special gift at the right time. When you speak kind and edifying words, building up, it's like a gift that you give to other people, and you have no idea. I hear people sometimes, they just, they go, oh, there was this person at work today, and they were just so nice, and they just said, I, I really hope that you have a, a great day. It looks really busy. You're doing a great job. I've, I've heard from people who says, you know, that was just made my day today but we need to be truthful in those things. We're not just, not platitudes and not uh, just saying things, but we need to be truthful, but build people up. And finally, look at this, it says this, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whom you were sealed. He's talking to Christians. Believers, this morning, we have the Holy Spirit. We were sealed. When we... Are, are mean to others and put them down, when we act out in, in anger, when we lie, when we do these things, we grieve God. It actually breaks His heart. I, uh, we have four kids, and, and some of our kids sometimes like to fight with each other. They like to bicker. You don't know if they like to. They just do sometimes. And I tell you, the, the little bit of banter, we can handle the banter, but as it starts getting a little bit deeper and a little harsher, my heart breaks. And I just think, why are you hurting your sister? Why are you hurting your brother? Why would you say that to them? As a parent, our hearts really get hurt when our kids are fighting with each other, aren't they parents? That's how God feels when you're hurting one of his other kids. He loves you and he loves them. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You were sealed in Him. Go back and realize who we are in Christ. We're awesome. We are made in His image. And finally, in the end of this, this, this part here, it says, So therefore, it doesn't say therefore, but this is where We're going to let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from us. We're going to get rid of all malice. Instead, we're going to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, because God in Christ forgave us. And that's how he wants us to be in your bulletin this morning was this folded half sheet a continuation of last week and this week this is things that we put off and things that we put on For right away I'm gonna say there is 78 things on this don't try to start working on them from the top and when you get to 78 you get raptured and you go home that's not <laughs> what this is I did it all I'm perfect now No, this is some things that God is maybe pointing out in your life that you are already struggling with and you know it. And you can probably find them in the list on the left and there's a scripture that goes with it. And then it says, instead of that, you're going to put that off and instead you're going to put on this you, you have la you don't have you don't have love you're gonna put on love and you read the scripture then you gotta pray because you can't do this on yourself lord i want to put off my old ways my old behavior the old man i want to change my thinking i'm going to read the scriptures i'm going to pray and i'm going to put on these new habits these new ways of living i'm going to think before i respond and you're going to bring these things to my remembrance because the holy spirit is living in me and i'm going to work on this because i i just have a critical spirit and and, and, and it, Galatians 5 talks about it, so what am I going to do instead of being, I'm going to be kind. Oh my gosh, I have to learn to be kind. Some of us, you know, that's going to be really hard to do. You to be kind, so that means next time somebody's doing something you just think is dumb, and you think it's the worst way you've ever done that, and there isn't a, a more stupid way to do that. I'm saying that you ever hear people say, that is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. I think, really? In the whole world of everything you've ever seen, this is the stupidest. That's amazing. Why well, should get a prize for being the most stupid person in the world? So last we're already going. Yeah, I say that, or oh yeah, Joe says that. I got to find it. But Herbert, is there any Herberts in the house? Herbert says that. They're just. You know, they do everything wrong. Wait, that's critical. The Bible says to put on kindness. I'm going to look for things that are kind and say, you know, when you did that, that was, that was awesome. Hey, I heard that you went and raked so-and-so's yard. Way to go. We're going to think. We're going to be kind. We're going to put off anger and, and, and bad speech. We're, not going to say, we're going to be Christians who are full of God, who've put off the old man and put on the new. Can I pray for us? God, I thank you that you have so much grace and love for us this morning. God, you've called us along. You've, you, you called us by name. You saw us when we were far off. You, you predestined that we would come to you, God, in salvation. Lord, and we are grateful. Lord, the, the Bible says that you adopted us to be your own. that that you call us friend, and that we are sons of God. We're not servants, but we're sons and daughters of the Most High God. It says that you know every hair on our head. God, I thank you for that. God, I thank you that each of us who've who've called on you to save our sins, God, was plucked out of death, and we've been put on the road of, of righteousness and we're, we're being transformed, God, and today's message I pray that would encourage us to continue on in the journey. God, that we would realize that there might be some things that you still want us to put off because they're unpleasing to you. They break your heart. But God, you're going to help us to put on and put, develop new habits that we will become more and more like you. As the next chapter, the beginning of Ephesians 5, says that we could become uh, imitators of you more and more, that we would act like you and, 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 and have attitudes that you show us that we could have. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit because we can't do this without you. God, in all of this, that we would bring glory to you and that we would, our lives would be a witness to others of what you can do in a life. So I pray this for all of us here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.